There's nothing like the good old blended family support group, whether we're on there to provide some advice, get some advice, do a little venting or just see what's happening in people's lives. There seems to be a lot going on all the time. And honestly, it's nice to know that we are not alone. Check out this episode while we address some of these blended family questions. I guarantee whether it's your exact circumstance or not, you will get something out of it. Welcome to Blended. I am your host, Jeremiah Wallace, and my goal is to see blended families thriving. If you are navigating this experience, then you're in the right place. This podcast is purposed to provide support, information, and the encouragement that we need to fulfill our family's potential. All right, Blenders, I hope that you are thriving along with your family, your loved ones. We're almost, I feel like this year is almost over, guys. It is insane, but we're going to keep the train rolling. So today we are going to be answering some questions that I've acquired from a couple of the blended family support groups that I'm a part of. The last time we did it was close to a year ago. That was a good time. I think I'm going to go in more of a serious route, a serious tone as far as the posts that I'm going to be reading from and the responses I'll be providing because that's generally what was presented. Go ahead and listen to the last time around a year ago. Shenanigans, just just shenanigans taking place within the dating scene as well as just the blended family scenarios. But either way, I will do my best to provide my two cents sometimes some of these posts, maybe three or four cents, to be honest, um, concerning some of these matters that have been presented publicly and uh, no names will be provided. But I'm thinking that we can all learn from the human experience in general. So regardless of where you are at in your blending, whether you are not a blended family and you're just a family or you're a single person or you're a rando that just came across this podcast and you are trying to see what is up. I am sure, I have no doubt that much can be learned from uh, this episode. So let's get into it. It's going to be a strong start, people. So this is a, a post that was provided anonymously, and there is no shame in that. And it reads, so today, my boyfriend's ex-wife got out of prison and showed up at our house to surprise the kids. That is a bad start. Um, did not ask to come over. Did not say she was out. Just showed up at our house and made herself comfortable while my boyfriend and I were working. Oh, that's rough. I'm so pissed off. She went to prison three years ago for drugs. Before that, the previous four years, she was out running the streets, selling her kids for drugs, giving and partying with her minor children, selling herself. Her kids were taken away until their dad was able to get them. And now today she shows up and makes herself comfortable in my home. It is not okay. The kids were three, six and eight when she lost them. I know this is the kids home, but there needs to be boundaries and being in our home without an adult here or knowing is unacceptable. But of course, when she was asked to leave, the kids blame dad. So that is a that's a real life one that is absolutely 
rough. It's terrible if, in fact, the ex was doing all that was described as far as not just the drugs, but um, participating in any capacity with her children, them being obviously extremely young, but them being her children and then being away for as long as she had been. So if there's the four years of running the streets, I assume um, she was seeing the kids sparingly and then three years in prison. So my questions, my initial questions would be just how long they've been in a relationship, how long they've been aware of or how aware this step parent is concerning just the situation has the person, the father in question, has he unloaded every piece of information that needs to be known in order for her to be well equipped, in order for their relationship to be um, strong and secure and for them to be in a position to withstand this woman getting out of prison and then prepared for that. Um, Based on what I'm reading, that had not been the case. It was inadequate preparation. And Obviously, there is a woman that has these demons and she's been struggling, using and all this stuff. But where was the father during this time? If he was functioning within his his role, then those things likely would have never taken place, whether he would have been a source of healing and support for this woman. And therefore, she would have avoided um, this debauchery that she's been invested in, or he would have at least seen the signs, the flags, and he would have uh, kept his children from much of, again, what was Describe. So I have a ton of questions for him and, uh, you know, but I am not speaking to him right now, but a ton of questions for him. It points to why things are where they are right now. But I will say and I have experience in this as a result of my brother being in prison um, during the time that we were attained guardianship over our niece. The thing that we did immediately after CPS came into the picture and then she was in our care was to pursue guardianship and to attain a legal backing. We did that immediately because we knew that at any given moment, uh, due to the rights of the parent in question, those things could be thrown by the wayside, even though they are struggling. Um, So getting the guardianship immediately and just getting that legal backing ASAP was crucial for us. And then there is the preparation for this individual getting out of prison because one day they will get out. So did they know what her sentence was? And it just sounds like the preparation was inadequate. And there is a way that we can go online and we can look into the system depending on whatever correctional facility and individuals in and you can literally see the date um, that they will be leaving and it was their job for the sake of protecting the children and their relationship for them to closely look at when this individual was going to come out because they were going to come out sober and despite the four previous years of just kind of being astray being back and forth whatever that consisted of After a person is in prison for however long, um, they are essentially sober because they have to be. They just don't have the access or the means to indulge as they were before. And therefore, they're going to kind of be in their right mind. And an an individual in their right mind is going to desire 
relationship with their children. So protecting the kids was super important. So knowing when this person was going to get out and then having conversations during that time and very uncomfortable conversations. My brother and I have had very heated conversations while he was in prison, but my heart was I'm going to do everything in my power to inform you as to what to expect for us to get on the same page concerning some things. And then when you get out, we're going to talk. We're going to have conversations prior to you um, having conversations with the kids. And, you know, during that time she was in prison, you know, as best they could having conversations with them, helping them understand just what has happened before and to prepare emotionally, mentally for what's to come. It just sounds like many steps were skipped or just not taken. And it it just sounds like an implosive situation for this woman to be in the home with the kids, which sounds weird because they're pretty young. There should have been an adult present to kind of fend off the arrival of this woman. Um, But just for them to be totally unprepared and just, it just sounds like a really, really tough situation. And hopefully, Hopefully they can take some steps to to make things right. All right. That's the first one. That was a man. That was heavy. That was heavy. Hopefully that was the heavy, the most weighty one. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Okay, this is an individual by the name of Adrian, not providing that last name. It is a gentleman Um, and it reads, I've been married for two years and having been living together with my ex and now 16-year-old stepson for three years. Over the three years, a relationship between me and my stepson has not developed. I provide support with a home, food, and clothing for my stepson. My wife says I don't have the right in my household to ask my stepson to do anything within our household because I haven't developed a relationship with him. I can't ask him to take out the trash, clean his room, or anything. His biological father hasn't provided in 16 years for his son half as much as I have provided within these last three years. My question is, do I have to establish a relationship with my stepson that I provide clothing, food and a home for him to simply take out the trash or clean his room? End quotation. All right. Well, this is not an anomaly. This is not an outlier as far as the experience of an individual in a blending scenario. And I think it's the case whether you are a stepmom or a stepfather, but I think stepfathers are especially familiar with this side of things. So all these posts will likely require some questioning on my end because I can only assume based on the information provided. Um, But it does sound like that was a everything's moved pretty quickly for them to be in a three year relationship and for them to be married. Two of those years, I would ask when the move in took place. And one pretty glaring thing that I again feel is if this is a frequent misstep is alone time with the child. Obviously, there is a vetting process and that should take a substantial amount of time. You don't want your kids to just be alone with an individual after, say, three 
maybe even six months. It could be a year, depending on age and kind of the scenario, what the circumstances. Um, but I would assume and I feel like I would accurately assume that Adrian, this man, had not spent one on one time any more than uh, three occasions with this young man. And what that does is it creates a bonding apart from the mother. So one of the issues that we fall into is as step parents, we simply become an extension of this individual. And it's hard for the children or the child to see us separate from them. And if there is an inability to for us to be seen separate from them, then we can't receive this uh, individualized honor and respect. Um, we can't really attain that or we can't establish that. And obviously we want that to be mutual to a degree. We want to give them, we want to see them as an individual. We want to invest in them specifically so that they aren't just an extension of their mother or their father. So I do think that is a, a glaring issue. And I do believe I'm accurately assuming that. And then the next thing is the preparation. How did you guys see this going? How did you see like the, as far as chores and um, just the ability to discipline or instruct to provide any guidance for the um, mother to say, Hey, you have no rights. I understand it because if there are no, is if there's no relationship and then you're providing instruction and things of that nature, it can cause cause harm for sure. It definitely can. But, um, one thing that my wife did so well that made such a significant difference in my ability to discipline and to provide some guidance and whatnot is her okay and us having conversations as to how we're going to do it but in front of the oldest child in her presence she would provide me the right to provide some guidance and instruction and it starts off light um, we don't start off with hey take out the trash we don't start with um, some of the more tedious or laborious tasks that an individual needs to do. We start off with light things. One of the first things I did was, Hey, um, you're eating some hot Cheetos that that's enough. You're, you're like what four? <laughs> you're eating too many hot Cheetos. It's not good for you. And I provided that support and, uh, or that guidance. And what she did was she looked at her mother and she was like, uh, is this dude really? And she was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go that route um, and just constantly during our courtship phase, giving providing me the right. And if I ever overstepped and if I ever felt uncomfortable or she felt uncomfortable, what we would do is we'd go to a room at some point and we'd have a conversation as to how we want to do this. We would become unified and then we would get back to it. And it doesn't sound like there was a lot of that during the dating process. And it's really difficult when you're living together and now you're married to kind of start that process. So those two things stick out strongly in my opinion. All right. That is my advice for Adrian. Let's go to another one. This one is a bit longer and it reads long story short, baby daddy. And I do not follow the weekend schedule. I always kind of enough to allow baby daddy to pick up son whenever he wanted. I think that means always provide a little bit of room for baby daddy to pick up the kid. Um, 
and back to it. Well, that definitely has backfired and bit me in the at dollar sign dollar sign. I've had plans on the schedule for a month now, and I just received a text from the grandma, baby daddy's mom, about this weekend's plan. Nothing has been asked from baby daddy. It's always the grandma or the uncle. That's another issue asking about plans. Am I the bad person for wanting to reply that we have plans? Sorry, not sorry. Grandson can't go. It's always me that has to make the sacrifices. Never baby daddy slash them. I have to rearrange my schedule because they decide to finally want to see grandson. I hate having to ask my son what he wants to do or if he wants to pick because I know son won't want to hurt my feelings, but is craving baby daddy's family's attention. I have a great relationship with the grandma, but it's last minute and we've had these plans for over a month. They moan and groan about asking me about plans, but I'm the adult and make the decisions, not my 11 year old kid. I have asked baby daddy to discuss holidays in advance, but I received zero feedback from baby daddy. So I continued doing it my way. I promised myself that I would continue putting our son first, but also not just letting them use me. This is beyond toxic and frankly, I'm over it and them. I do it for my son and want him to have baby daddy's family. Any advice? Thank you for listening to my vent. That was fairly substantial, um, but a good one. It was, it's a really good one. And it's a, it's a really tough place that she finds herself in. And a lot of individuals and families find themselves in this scenario because of the relational ties that we have. Uh, There is obviously the desire for our children to have the freedom to connect with those that they love, for us to feel as if we are holding them back from pursuing relationship and deepening um, the relationship they have with people that care for them and people that they care for. It just it makes us uncomfortable and naturally. And that's something that we want to just provide for them. And then there's the relationship that we have. We respect these individuals. I'm sure this um, person, her name being Joanne, I'm sure she respects uh, the baby daddy's grandma. And, you know, despite the fact that they've separated, there's still love in those relationships. So just to kind of creating discord or the potential of creating discord, is just really uncomfortable for people. And I'll say I used to be an agreeable individual and I still can be. Um, but because of that trait, I didn't really like tension. I didn't, if there was uh, the opportunity to avoid, creating uh, division or tension by any means, I would try my best to go that route. However, because of the scenario that is the blended family, we it requires us to just take stands first and foremost to protect our children and then to protect our relationship. So as much as she desires for her child to connect with this other family, um, it's important that she knows that it's actually putting him in a state of instability 
because anything can happen at any time. So as she mentioned, she's been planning this thing for a month and it's likely she's been relaying this to the child. And if she has a significant other um, and they're just kind of gaining momentum as they're moving toward this thing and it's about to happen and all of a sudden she gets a message and she has this tension within herself that she's kind of opened herself up to uh, something that's really important for us to do is for us to make our priorities our priorities and for us to keep them in that place despite the things that may attempt to intrude or interfere with those priorities. So again, this creates instability for the child. A child needs a schedule because of the separation that's taken place. Our greatest uh, responsibility moving forward um, is for us to provide stability and for the child to have an expectation, a clear expectation moving forward. There's no more guessing. There's no more separation that takes place like they've suffered enough. And this is something that evolves over time. This sounds like a young kid. I think she said 10 or 11 years old. This dude is young. So he's still processing what's happened before, what's happening now and what the future holds. And the best thing that this individual can do for them is for her to create stability, for him to be a child, for him not to make decisions as to where he wants to go in. Rather, it should be, hey, we're doing this then, we're doing this then, this is happening at this point. We are removing all, I wouldn't say all control because you do want to invite your child into whatever it is that you're doing, but concerning the things that um, adults should be over or what adults should be handling, allow the adults to handle for him to make decisions as to where he wants to go when those are adult decisions that he's making. So he's already processing the separation, the divorce, whatever it was. And now he's having to process where he wants to be when. And then it just provides this. It creates this confusion within him. And obviously it creates instability, not just in him, but in your family situation. Our families, our desire for them is to create, again, stability. We want things to be peaceful. But if we are receiving texts whenever and then all of a sudden we feel the need to kind of bend the knee to them. It, that That's just it just points to um, just a hole or holes in the way in which we're doing things. What it should looks like it should look like is things are happening systematically. We have expectations and things are uh just identified or notifications take place well beforehand. We don't do the last minute thing in our home. We don't because it's not going to be chaos for our kids. It's not going to be chaos for us because if she is, if she does have a significant other, I strongly believe that they also have issues within their relationship as a result of this process that they've been engaging with for however long. So those are some of the issues that I clean up. And just for their, the, the, again, the legal backing, hey, this is our system. This is when you'll have him. This is when we have him. This is just where we're at. Like he loves you and we want him to have all of the connection possible, but we need this kid to have stability in his, in his life. We can't just be bouncing around or making decisions however we please, whenever we please. We need expectation. Um, so that would be my approach to that one. 
All right, we will do two more. This will be the shortest one because the others have been long at this point. Uh, this is an anonymous post, and I, I believe it's a gentleman. He asks, how many men are in this group? It's interesting that more females post, share, reach out for help. Why do you think this is? And yes, for any of you guys that are in any of these groups, blended family groups, it is about 90, 95% females. And there may be gentlemen within the groups, but I'm sure there's a fear to post <laughs> just because of the potential attack, you know, like there are, there are some, <laughs> I'm halfway joking with that. There are some women or individuals that are hurting, you know, people are within these groups, obviously they desire some support, some guidance or to provide some support or guidance, but there are also just a portion of the population that are just hurting. And what they do is they read into people's posts or they're venting and there is just an attack and there is just a level of frustration or bitterness or just sometimes it's just inhumane. Somebody's genuinely asking for support or for help. And this is either a naive person or they are just having a hard time. And yeah, not not every post is genuine, um, but sometimes they are. And people can turn around and just totally obliterate their perspective and really just discard their humanity in the scenario. And anybody that's in the blended family knows that this can be difficult. It can be. So when someone's reaching out and it's just real, it's real. Uh, it hurts when there's a population of people that you should be able to kind of relate to the most are attacking. And I think that's one of the reasons why there aren't as many Men, a part of these, not just because men would get harassed if they were to post, but just the the outcomes are inspiring for gentlemen. The whole process of typing and writing and tapping into whether emotions or recalling. When's the last time I'm talking to the ladies right now? When's the last time you, your significant other and he relayed a just kind of a event to you beginning to end and you saw the whole picture it doesn't happen <laughs> it that's just not how we work it's not so to imagine some gentlemen typing up their emotions and just the scenario and just pre creating this clear picture that's just not something we do we prefer visuals and we will also prefer tangible support. So we want to almost verify the individual that we are receiving support from. We want to see the person's eyes, their mannerisms. We want to see how they kind of function. And we kind of want to test whether visually or audibly, who is this person and can I really trust them? Do they really know what they're talking about? Gentlemen are typically inspired in that direction. And then there is obviously the a large population of men that don't seek help, whether they don't know how to, whether they don't feel as if they need to, whether for pride reasons or they're just that ignorant as to what their needs are. And that's just it's just not something that a lot of men do. I feel like that population of individuals is decreasing, um, which is a good thing, but it is definitely uh, struggle within the male species. 
All right, we will go on to that last question. And uh, this is a, another anonymous post. It's all good. I respect it. Okay. And it reads, who gets anxiety right before stepchild visits? Question mark. He has ADHD, but both parents don't want to medicate or do anything to ease it. Kid gets sent with his electronic devices to our place. And when one dies, the other one is switched on and is a constant cycle. My children are great with imagination play, but when this environment occurs, their behavior switches and all they want to do is play on devices or scream while they're all playing. What do you do? I try to place no screen times. But then the stepchild is just so full on and is constantly manipulating his father, my partner, into getting his way. Is this a normal way of feeling when stepson is around? I have found that I have gotten anxiety since being in a blended family. So there is a lot here and it's normal. I do believe that it is normal to experience something. And I've addressed this in previous episodes. It's okay to feel something when the stepchild is returning to your home, because depending on what that other environment consists of, that is being brought into your space. And a lot of times we don't know exactly what's going on. And there are other times where we know clearly what's happening. And I would assume based on what's described that there are electronics and this child, he just gets, he gets much of what he wants. And I'd say uh, kind of a side note that the whole ADHD diagnosis, honestly, kids function on a spectrum. And I believe that I have a child that could be uh, could fit the bill for ADHD, but they're just, they're kids. They are kids. We live in a modern world whereby they are exposed to things that kind of uh, provide a ton of dopamine and kind of hijack or warp their desires. So I would believe that this is a child and he's a little boy. They tend to be hyperactive. They tend to need to be in a field somewhere hurting themselves, running around so that they can achieve tiredom. But if they're constantly exposed to devices and whatnot, there's just this constant dopamine hit taking place in their brain that's giving them pleasure. And that just that is just the desire. That is all they want. Um, so there does need to be just a tailing back of things such as devices, uh, recognition of just a little boy kind of having the biology and the makeup of a little boy. So he just honestly needs to be doing more. And the regulation of something such as devices, it's difficult again, when you are the house that doesn't have, that's not Disneyland. So it sounds like the other place is Disneyland. He's being sent with devices. That's just not something that we do here. Um, I remember when the our oldest got her phone and that's wasn't information that we were provided prior to it happening. And we were just we were not happy. We were not happy because we know that devices and what she'd have access to and things of that nature, it would not serve her. And yes, I said 13. I saw a kid the other day that was like eight years old with a phone of her own. And that's 
that's just blasphemous <laughs> to me. They just don't have the the brain capacity to handle such a thing, even with all of the uh, protection that we can put on as a parent. It's just, yeah, in my opinion, it's just not good. But 13 years old, she gets a phone and we weren't happy about it, but she has it. And from our, our job from that point is to provide some regulation and we're going to stick with that and we're going to be the bad parents and we are going to handle the fits because, yeah, you can be on the devices however long uh, over on the other side. And there be, may be a moment, especially when in a severe scenario such as this, it sounds like this is like way too much as far as devices communicating that like I were seeing that there's an issue and there's just this development of further hyperactivity and frustration and explosiveness and attitude and things of that nature when the device is not accessible we're picking up on that and that's not good for their development so can we potentially address this and come up with a plan for this child because they're being compromised and kind of doing that and doing it peaceably and not doing it so aggressively or assertively just kind of like hey let's work together on this is necessary but ultimately being willing being open to being the bad guy the bad guy home and being willing to be that space and it doesn't feel good to be the punching bag to be the home where the kid doesn't have the fun or they're being robbed of something or like yeah, they get to space out over there for hours, but over here, you're going to get our time and our attention. And yeah, that child's going to wear you down. That child's going to wear you down as far as just going to the park, um, spending time with them, learning stuff and just engaging. And no, it doesn't have to be that all the time. It can be an hour, maybe that they're on a device on the weekends, maybe a couple hours up to three. If you just really need to to recycle your brain and just rebuild your capacity to serve this child. Um, But it's okay to be the punching bag because that is going that's ultimately in the best interest of the child that's going to serve this individual for the short short and the long term. Um, So being comfortable with saying, no, I'm sorry, you can't eat pizza every single night. It's just not healthy for you. It's not good for you. I'm sorry. You can't be on devices every waking moment because it's going to hurt you and literally telling them that um, and facing the backlash. And if it gets too, if it becomes too much, providing some consequences, but understanding that this is a a young kid. I forget how old she said the child was, if she did mention it at all. Um, But especially if he's sabotaging potentially the other kids, it's just important for the regulation and just the, the right kind of support to be created within a home so that these people can develop properly and they can do so on an individual basis and it can be done collectively as well because if the other kids were to see the necessary quality and quantity of attention being provided for this child uh, then they would have a greater understanding and maybe in ways they could provide support they can kind of help this child with his imagination and whatnot in the way that they exercise their imagination. Uh, But because it's almost like pandered to, it's sabotaging the, the child himself and the environment. 
Um, so I'd say ultimately it's okay to be bad cop. It's okay to take the shots to be the punching bag. Um, that's kind of how we are in this home and it can be frustrating. It can hurt sometimes when you're creating the best environment possible and loving them well. And you know that you're doing that. And again, it's just Disneyland on the other side. But again, it's about it's about the kids. It's about your home. It's about your marriage relationship. And there is no there's no compromising on that, even if it hurts for a period of time, because I, I, I can guarantee you that staying strong on this for a period of time that could be <laughs> it could be years it could be years the outcome and what would come of it is is something that would be worth celebrating i strongly believe that all right well those are the questions posed within the blended family support groups if any of you guys are going through those scenarios i hope that the advice is uh, something that you can practice, put to use. Some of it I have exercised in my own home and it has profited. And you know what? If you have some more stuff, please hit me up any type of way. You can go on Instagram or you can go on Facebook and look up Blended and you can reach out to your boy. You guys are amazing. You're fantastic. And we will talk soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you heard something throughout the episode that could make all the difference. Please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that blended goodness. Episodes are up and running on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Until then, do not settle for anything less than what's possible.